All right, welcome to the Pat Life Podcast. As always, I'm Patrick, and today I have a very special guest with me, uh, somebody I've been following his work for a few years now, um, and just very, very much a lot of what I'm doing, uh, a lot of the paths I've been taking, those who listen to the podcast, uh, listen to how I do my training, everything else, um, a lot of it has to do with uh, this gentleman right here, and a lot of the information he's presented to not just me, but uh the world, and I'm very excited to have him on today. We have Mr. Doc, or Dr. Tom Cowan. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for um, having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. And um, you know, I can go on for hours explaining all the great stuff you've been doing. But um, maybe just kind of tell people. I uh, bother. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I would maybe just start with just telling people a quick, you know, breakdown of your background. Um, I know there's so much you've been doing, but um, I guess ultimately, like what your background is, and then obviously the businesses you have now. Okay, so I grew up with. Uh, people expecting me to be a doctor, but I didn't really like it. So I went to college and didn't like that either. And then I joined the Peace Corps and taught gardening, which I mostly liked. And then I realized that the doctor that I didn't want to be was not the only kind of doctor there was. So then I decided I could become a doctor. And so I went to medical school and and did an internship and started working in an emergency room as an ER doctor while I set up my practice. And so I've basically had a private practice for about 37 years, um, mostly just a family general practice. You know, originally, uh, I can't remember, New York and then New Hampshire and then San Francisco. Um, the whole time I was looking for, I don't think this is right, uh, what we think about medicine and biology. And so I started writing books that uh, the heart is not a pump and vaccines make you sick and give you chronic disease and cancer has nothing to do with genetics. And then I kept going on. A couple of years ago, I realized that I could no longer uh, participate in what we call the medical world uh, for a whole lot of reasons. So I, as they say, surrendered my license, which I didn't really like that word, but that's the only word that they would accept. Uh, and then I wrote a couple things. One is uh, that there are no so-called pathogenic viruses. There's no such thing as contagion, uh, bacteria and viruses uh, don't make you sick. Viruses don't exist. Bacteria do, but they don't make you sick. And there's a whole different, better way of looking at the world. And that's kind of where we are now. Although now I'm looking into the rest of, of biology and finding it's basically smoke and mirrors. Absolutely. And that's, that's a great breakdown of everything because there's so much. Uh, someone who's read pretty much all your books, uh, I've been going to town on these. Uh, it, it's, it's beautiful to see exactly everything you just said as you break it all down and you really get into the ins and outs and the whys behind what it is that you just broke down here. So for those listening, I'm already going to put a plug in. Go to Dr. 
TomCowan.com. Go look at the books. You have a lot more supplements we could talk about in a little bit as well. Um, but it's really worth reading these books and getting more information on this, especially if you're looking to take care of your health. Because one of the big things on my journey is early on, and at least with training, is just seeing how many people were dependent and they, whether they knew it or not, there was this dependency on a system that just seemed to be just getting them by. And that could, that could not register with me in a way that made any sense where it's like, I have so many people coming through these doors, you're doing an assessment, you're getting to know them and they're telling you all these drugs are on, they're telling you all these things that they have to do, all these people they need to see. And, you know, all these different aspects of how they're looking at themselves and going, oh yeah, I need this person to tell me or show me or give me this in order to feel better or feel like it's going to be okay and yada, yada, yada. And it just was, th- and in my mind, I'm like, that's not normal. Like, this is not a society. I mean, where, is this only in cities? Like, this is before I like knew all my, my wake up, I guess you could say. So for me, when I was reading your work and seeing a lot of the stuff uh, that you were putting out there specifically in relationship to the heart and the pump and not being a pump, that's when all these things started really waking up for me. I also had the the uh, the opportunity to get my hands on a Gerson's module, a big stack, without actually going to the Gerson thing because I had a friend who did. And I was reading through that, and I started learning about the sodium-potassium pump, and you go on a lot about that, and Dr. Gilbert Ningling. So when you were talking about all that, I was like, okay, I'm listening. So... I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but this is the type of information, as you said, it's it's going to bring down the smoke and mirrors, give people the opportunity to see the body a little bit differently. Um, we can get into the virus stuff. I feel you've done so much work. I would actually love for people to go over to see all that. We can get into that for sure. But if possible, I would love to stay on maybe, well, more just talking about, again, this idea of the sodium potassium pump the water within the system and everything else, and then understanding uh, the heart a little bit differently, if that's cool with you. Yep. So, you know, on, the, yeah. the, the, really the theme here, and this applies to, I would say, 90 plus, maybe 99% of what passes for so-called alternative medicine or functional medicine or... Uh, herbal medicine, mostly, uh, all those things. Uh, It's particularly uh, relevant to, you know, what's called anthroposophical medicine. So what happens is, uh, I think, because of a fundamental insecurity, right? So there are sort of the outsiders in this game. So the insiders are you know, Duke and Sloan Kettering and the Mayo Clinic. And so those are the, those are the real doctors. So the rest of the people uh, accept the normal way of seeing biology and medicine. And then they try to add something to it. Well, it is all about the heart as a pump, but you can use Hawthorne berries to increase the pump instead of beta blockers or ACE inhibitors. Or cancer is a genetic disease and you can use turmeric instead of chemotherapy drugs or in addition to chemotherapy drugs to help the genetics work better, like epigenetics. And the thing you're talking about 
you know, so there, there is this, they say, sodium-potassium pump, which is the whole basis of the Gerson diet, if you get in, if you really, if you really understand what he was saying. Mm-hmm. And so there's a whole different way of uh, a, approaching the sodium-potassium pump by changing the diet and detoxification, et cetera. And for whatever reason in life, my role has been not to say the Gerson diet does or doesn't work or Hawthorne berries do or don't work or whatever, turmeric, et cetera. That's not the point. The point is there is no sodium potassium pump. There is no heart pumping the blood. There is no genetic cause of cancer. There's no genetic diseases. You can't even actually prove that uh, the foundation of genetics, which is one gene cause, makes one protein, it's absolute nonsense. And so uh, th- this whole scheme of trying to uh, add on to the normal science, I think really because of insecurity, yeah. is, ends up getting you nowhere. Because it's all just a pile of doo-doo, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's actually when you really get into it, and we can do that today if you want to get into the sodium-potassium pump. I'd love and, to. Uh, it's easy to demonstrate that. And that's what Gilbert Ling wrote his PhD thesis on. And he proved it without a shadow of a doubt if you're willing to actually think about science and reality and how one proves things. So whatever of those you want to get into, it's fine with me. Awesome. Well, I, being that I'm a nerd about this stuff, and this is the stuff that I, when I'm training in as much, and we can get into that later as well, but this is where I want, I'm always trying to shift people's concepts of how they see the body. And it's a very simple thing to do once people are put in situations where they go, man, this is something I couldn't do. I can never do this. This is impossible for me. I'm just, it is what it is in my life. And when they do certain things, and doing it in a way where they have control, they're not in pain, they're like, wow, this was great. Then they look at me going, okay, what else aren't you telling me? And that's why I think what I'm doing, um, and, and a lot of people like myself are doing, are giving people the opportunity to go, what is this thing? Hold on. I feel like I'm so disconnected from it. It's going, yes, you are. We all are. Here's how we can start getting back to it. And as much as people maybe can't comprehend the the way the mainstream makes these potassium, the sodium potassium pumps in the body so complicated, you know what I mean? They're like, oh, it's too too much for you. You don't have the degree. You don't have the Sloan Kettering connection. You know what I mean? They're like, you, you'll you never understand. Go to this specialist. They'll tell you. I want it to be, no, I want you to understand the body a little easier so you have that knowledge. You can then walk around and experience it rather than, you know, being like, I'll never know. It's too, it's over my head. So- that all being said, um, let's talk about the the pump. This idea of the sodium potassium pump. Um, if you may, just kind of explain the main way, mainstream version, and then ultimately what we're talking about. Right. Okay. Um, I may want to share my screen and show you something yeah. here, but I don't have exactly about the sodium potassium pump. But it, well, let me just try. So first of all. Uh, 
what is the sodium potassium pump? It's a called uh, the formal name, I think, is the sodium potassium ATPase uh, membrane bound pump, which means they say, uh, they being, say, normal biology, that we have these cells. Uh, by the way, uh, it's, it's always, you, you have to sometimes get into the foundation of the thinking here. The, uh, how did, who, who decided that we have cells? We all think we have cells. But interestingly, no traditional medical or scientific system said that we were made of cells, like Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, Native American. Now, maybe because they didn't have a microscope to see, but they didn't think that. The first person who said that was a guy named Rudolf Virchow in 1859. And he said that because he saw these compartments in onion cells, in onion tissue. And he said, that's the cell. Now, and because onions have cells, all living things are made of cells. Now, that's what you'd call a leap of faith. <laughs> like, that right. isn't exactly true because onions have, like onions have certain smells and Hopefully, I don't have those smells, not all the time. That doesn't mean because an onion has it that I have. Uh, and he was roundly criticized at the time because uh, he had no real evidence that this was true. But somehow, it, it became true, and we all ended up believing it. Even though, uh, if I ask people, have you ever seen a cell in a living person intact? Answer is no, right? Nobody's seen that. Now, it could be because we don't have the technical ability to do that. They, they say, how do you know they're cells? Well, I took a, stuck a needle in your liver and I took a piece out and then I stained it with heavy metal dyes and then I shone this beam of light at it and then I see these compartments. And I said, how do you know that taking it out of its living system and staining it with a toxic dye didn't make it coalesce into these compartments. Mm -hmm. If you're going to say that, you have to do some sort of a control. In other words, if I don't take it out, but and there are times when you can't do a control, right? You just don't mm -hmm. have the ability. At that point, you have to say, this is an unproven hypothesis. Mm -hmm. I cannot prove it. So anyways, then they say, well, okay, they see these cells. By the way, there's 188 different tissue types in the body. 44 of them clearly have no cells, like the lens of your eye. Mm -hmm. It would be stupid to put the lens of your eye, break it up into little pieces, because then all you'd see is a grid. <laughs> so there's no, uh, there's no cells in there. So 44 different tissues are syncytium, which means acellular, uh, organized water, co uh, organized into tissue, which is actually, if you think about it, a much better design for a, like a liver. Why would you break it up into little pieces, right? right. Like cubicles in an office. So anyways, but th there's 140 or so that we think have cells. So let's say there are cells. So then they say there's a lipid bilayer membrane surrounding the cell. It's a piece of, of protein and, and lipid in the middle, fat in the middle, and then protein. Now, that has never actually been visualized. That's a theory. 
Now, the, interestingly, there's 40, 14 different theories of the what a cell membrane looks like and is made. And anytime there's 14 different theories as to what something looks like, that tells you that nobody has seen it. Because there aren't 14 different theories about what a schnauzer dog looks like. Right. One. And the reason is because you can say that's a schnauzer dog. And I know that some people say my schnauzer looks different than the next person's, you know, but they basically. Yeah. Not everyone's in the best in show, so it's not looking all goofy. Yeah. So there's a little difference, I would agree, but they're all basically the same. Uh, So they don't have any proof of this lipid bilayer membrane. And then they say there's embedded in this membrane is this protein structure that acts like a sort of whirly gig and it binds to uh, potassium on the outside and sodium on the inside. And then like a, it goes like this, like a, Mm -hmm. it's like those uh, Coney Island uh, sandwich things, you know, you put your quarter in, it goes around and then it, it, you can open up one side. So it deposits the potassium on the inside and it pushes the sodium on the outside. The reason why this was important, and there's been a number of Nobel Prizes awarded for the elucidation of the structure and function of this sodium-potassium pump. The reason it was one of the crowning achievements in biology is we have tissue and cells, presumably, that are in a highly salty, sodium chloride-rich environment, yet are sodium poor on the inside of the cell. You can prove that. And this potassium is poor on the outside and high on the inside. And there's no way to understand that. So the question was, how does the cell do that? Because by diffusion gradients, if their sodium is high on the outside, it should diffuse to the inside. And if the sodium is you know, high on the inside, it should diffuse to the outside. And the reason this is important is because because of this sodium-potassium gradient difference, you know, high sodium on the outside, low potassium, high potassium on the inside, low sodium, A, how does it do that? B, the fact that it does do that, like that is a fact, uh, that creates an electrical potential across the cell membrane and gives a sort of a negative halo of charges around the cell and that's the reason cells keep their distance. So if you lose the charge, in other words, you have a dead battery instead of a charged cell, uh, the negative charges, when it's charged, repel each other, and each different tissue has a different strength of the charge, and that gives the distribution of the cells, right? Mm-hmm. So if they're really strong charge, the cells are this far apart. If it's a weaker charge, it's this far. But if there's no charge, they're all mixed together, and that's what we call a tumor. So a tumor is an uncharged dead cell. And the reason it's uncharged is because it lost the ability to pump or get the sodium out and the potassium in. Mm-hmm. So. This is a hugely important uh, part of, you know, mammalian biology. 
And there's many drugs that work on this sodium-potassium pump, meaning they get the sodium out and they get the potassium in because you're weakening in your ability to do that. And that's why your heart is failing. So they give you medicines to recharge the pump and then you're recharged and you, you have more energy. Your heart has more energy. So there's very few things in biology and medicine that are more important than this. And Gerson, uh, who you mentioned, said, the reason that my, my therapy works, not because of detoxification mainly, but because the cell is losing this sodium-potassium gradient, losing the energy. And so I'm putting people on a no-sodium, high-potassium diet and three different potassium salts and supplements to get the so- the potassium back in and no sodium so the sodium goes out that's what he said was he was doing with this diet okay so that's the background so ling comes along he's this chinese sort of really smart guy who's a biologist and s- somehow he gets the idea that because nobody has ever visualized this pump all they have is cartoon drawings. Nobody has ever seen a lipid bilayer membrane, a fluid mosaic membrane, mm-hmm. and nobody has seen a protein embedded in this membrane. In fact, every electron microscope picture of a cell membrane, uh, as Harold Hillman, the only biologist who really <laughs> knew what he was doing, said, The membrane is as smooth as a baby's bottom. There is no pump sticking out. There's no whirly gig. Uh, So he said, okay, let's see if if this pump actually exists. So he got the uh, standard measurements for how much ATP, which we're told is the energy currency of mammalian systems, right? And so it isn't because they get everything wrong. But let's say for a minute it is. So for each sodium that you pump out and potassium in, you use, let's say, one ATP. That's not exactly right, but makes it easier. So he calculates the distribution of the sodium and potassium and says that means you need 30,000 ATPs, right? And everybody agreed that his calculation was correct. And he figured out how much ATP you'd need to do this distribution, right? And then he, what he then proved was that's approximately 30 times more ATP than the cell has in, 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 in its entirety. So the analogy that I use, it's like you have a mortgage of uh, $30,000 a, a month, and you only make $2,000 a month, and you don't have any savings. The math doesn't add up. You can't pay for it. And that's just to do the pump. This yep. pump, which, by the way, you can't find. There's no pictures of it in a membrane, right? Okay. So he said, the energetics just don't make sense. This cannot be how it works. And then he did some, then the next step was he took some cells and he peeled off the outer layer where the membrane is. Mm -hmm. 
And then he added, so he put it in a, like a barrier, right? Like a box. And he put the cell membrane as the barrier, put a lot of ATP in there, put a lot of sodium on one side and potassium on the other, and no pumping happened. And then he took the membrane off. And so he had a cell without a membrane and it perfectly distributed the sodium and potassium. In other words, he proved that the location of this distribution, right? Sodium out, potassium in, is not in the membrane. It's in the cytoplasm, in the watery part of the cell. And so that's the proof. There isn't a, there's no image of it. There's no photograph. There's no proof that there's any such uh, structure in a, in a cell membrane. That's all electron microscopy and crystallization, hocus pocus, which I can talk about that in a minute. It mm -hmm. doesn't mean there's no protein. There is a protein in the cytoplasm, but it's not in the cell membrane and it's not a pump. Yeah. And, and he then proved that the energetics don't match up and that the location of the distribution mechanism is in the cytoplasm, not the cell membrane. So then he went on to prove what does do this. And he said that if you look at the way the water is organized in a cell or in living tissue, even if not a cell, it's like a crystal mesh like this. Now, imagine mosquito netting on your house. And the, it so happens that, by the way, the way this mesh forms is just like jello is formed. You take gelatin proteins, you mix it with water, nothing happens, right? You heat up the jello, you heat up the mixture, sorry, and that unfolds the proteins from this to this. Then they actually uh, interact with water, and when you cool it, it they cool into a gel. Mm -hmm. So there are proteins embedded in the cytoplasm, so-called cytoskeleton proteins, probably actin and some other ones, that are folded up, ATP binds to the end of them, and that, like a, like a shutter on your window, it makes them unfold, goes from open to close, or close to open. Mm -hmm. Then the water attaches to the proteins, like jello, and then it forms into a crystal network like mosquito netting. Now, it so happened, I would say, quote, God or the creator made it just like this so that the, the, the lattice of the, of the netting perfectly fits potassium and not sodium. So when it forms, it, the, the potassium it stays embedded in the mesh and the sodium is excluded from the mesh and therefore has to go outside. Mm -hmm. There is no cell membrane any more than there is a membrane on jello. Right. Which is why uh, that you can poke a cell. I noticed this when I was an ER doctor. I saw people uh, poked with bayonets and shot, and I never once saw water squirting out. Right. And the reason is because you can 
poke a gel, you can poke a membrane. In fact, you can poke a hundred holes in a cell membrane and nothing happens. Just like you could take a big bowl of jello, poke holes in it, and the jello doesn't squirt out, and it's still jello. It's got holes in it, but I mean, if you make too many holes, it'll collapse. Same with a tissue or a cell. And so the bottom line is, A, there's no pump. All there is is proteins Im- the, in, embedded in the cytoplasm. Uh, the mechanism for this distribution is because of the crystal nature of water. And once you realize that, you realize that uh, Gerson could have done a lot better because mm-hmm. it what and that's the problem. If you don't understand what you're dealing with, you make a ridiculous method of of trying to fix it. Because exactly. you're wrong about what what the problem is. And so all and what he was doing was getting rid of poisons with his cleansing program and enemas, etc which interfered with the formation of this mesh. Mm -hmm. Uh, And by the way, there's a simple medicine called strophanthus, which Mm -hmm. restores the sodium-potassium distribution, which is why the native people called it the gift from paradise, because anytime you do that, you restore the charge of the system, of the tissues, and that's what we call life. And I know yeah. I went on for a while there, but this is all great stuff. And I, we can definitely talk more about Strafanthus here in a second. But I loved everything you said, and just uh, from my layman's terms, which everything you said made sense, is essentially this: we don't have a pump, as you said, and ultimately the way the system works has this water or the water within our body doing a lot more than what we're told and the reason why you go into this a lot talk you know quoting you know jared pollock's work um is because there's this fourth phase of water we have other than what we've been told again that there's only three phases you have liquid gas solid um liquid gas solid what we're not told is there's, there's this I guess you can call like a plasmic state of water. And the reason why I go into wanting you to talk about the the sodium potassium pump is because, as many of us know, just like the heart, we hear these words like, oh, it's a pump. Everything's a pump. And it's going, okay, well, why are we being told things are a pump when they're not? And it's because there's this exclusion of this fourth phase of water and the importance of how that fourth phase works. And you go into this so well uh, in your books and just even through your conversations is that what is happening with the formation in what Jared Pollock talks as well is the formation of water in this fourth phase, like an example, a big tree in the redwoods or something like that, where it's 300 you know, plus feet up in the air and it's going, well, how is all that water getting to the top? How is it getting up there? And it's the way that formation is happening. You have your negative charges, your positive charges in relationship to the, the the tree within the cells, I guess you can say. And it's creating this function that's almost acting like a bullet train where you have charge here in the negative, positive here. That water's just flying on up. It's using literally that battery-like charge from the ground through this that's what makes up the tree in that water is using the structure, as you said, that structure to create an efficient flow. 
And for me, that really set something off. And I don't mean to go on a quick tangent here and I'll let you, you chime in. Um, but it was going to what you said even about Gerson and me taking a step back and be like, okay, this is great in regards to it's, it's getting in the right direction. However, if we're in a society where we're so dependent on all these machines and all of these juicers and all these other things, and that's not na- found in nature, I go, there's got to be an easier way to heal. There is, I mean, as much as people say, well, yeah, you're bringing in other things that aren't found in nature, so the body's not used to it. It's like, okay, to some degree, but there's got to be a way we need to get this flow, this charge back. And as you said, Strophanthus is a natural thing that's out there in the world. The tribesmen use it, but it's also moved the way people are moving too. So I'll leave that part there for now. Um, but if there's something you wanted to add in regards to what I was throwing down. Yeah, I mean, so the question, uh, why do we think about, why do we believe in pumps and all these mechanical mm-hmm. things? Uh, that's a approximately 2,500-year-old project. It depends on the how you view history. Um, yeah. Because history is largely a made-up story. But uh, anyways. True. Um, <laughs> and so they, they have a hypothesis that... All living things are mechanical devices. And therefore, you have to look into mechanics to find out how things work. And, you know, as I've said, I'd love to see the double-blind study that the only thing that exists is actual substance. Because mm-hmm. I remember I used to, uh, back when, in residency in medical school, you know, I, met, I remember I had an encounter with a heart surgeon. He said, you know, uh, talking about love, and he loved somebody with all his heart. And he's also said that he only, be- he, a human being only has made of physical stuff, right? That's what you mm-hmm. learn in medical school. So I said, so if you dissect somebody's heart, which is what you do, do you ever find something called love in there? No. Well, you just said, if it's not physically in there, it doesn't exist. So I, I want your wife's phone number. I'm going to tell her you don't love her, actually. <laughs> it can't be because there is no love in your... And the problem is, the reason I say that kind of stupid story is everybody knows that's not true. Even doctors. Uh, and doctors mm-hmm. always the last to know anything. But, uh, <laughs> but they know it's not true, right? Every human being, every man or woman knows that we don't we run our lives based on quality the quality of our connection the quality of the food the quality of the table we buy the quality of our movement not physical substance you don't marry somebody because they have more potassium than the next woman or man <laughs> at least i didn't there's a quality there uh, and that's everything. And what modern science and medicine has, t- has attempted to take the quality out of life. And then you end up with only dead stuff, which is why the whole system is designed to kill you. Uh, because they think you're dead. They mm-hmm. think you're just made of dead stuff. And so they try to, you know, like, it's a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Uh, well, you must then have to, I'm going to 
further your uh, being dead because that's what you're made of. Right. And everybody knows it's nonsense. Now, it's- Thanks for checking out our free preview of the podcast. If you want to listen to the rest of this episode and many others like it, become a member at thepatlife.org.